Hello, AP government. Welcome to the unit two test review. So this unit covered uh, our beliefs, our ideologies, where we get them from, um, and you know everything that goes into to the policy making with our ideologies. So that sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> the test itself is twenty questions. And E-Class will pull from a total of 35 questions. Um, so, you know, it'll be random like it was for the first test uh, of the questions you get. The review that I'm fixing to go over can be found on E-Class. I also gave you a hard copy in class. And um, we went over the whole thing in class. So um, we'll run through it here. And, you know, as always, let me know if you have questions through email, talking points, text, however you need to, hold, to get a hold of. All right. The first topic is American attitudes about government and politics. And this is our core values. So there's four of them that you need to recall for the test. Individualism, equality of opportunity, free enterprise, and the rule of law. All right. So individualism covers a couple of different things. First off, it covers our desire to have freedom of choice. All right. We want individuals, us, uh, to be able to make some of the decisions, most of the decisions uh, on our own. So think about some of the individual freedoms we might have and want, where to work, where to go to school, uh, things like that. Alrighty. The other part of it is that we as individuals can do things for ourselves. We don't need assistance. We don't need a helping hand. We want to believe that people and everybody um, can and will just overcome every single obstacle uh, that's in their way. And so that's what individualism is kind of about. Equality of opportunity. We want everyone to have a fair shot, a fair shake, and the opportunity should always be there. And the opportunity should be the same for everyone to do whatever it is they want to do. Alrighty. Now where people get confused and messed up is the equality of outcome. People, some people want um, to not only have opportunity equal, but they also want the outcome of those opportunities to be equal. But like we've said in class, um, that's not going to happen. All right. It's just, it's, it's the, the, the quality of outcome. There's too many variables uh, to say that, Hey, if you give everybody this, then everybody will do the same thing with it. All righty. Uh, and we have equated our high school education uh, to have an equal opportunity. Everybody that's going to graduate will have the chance to graduate with a high school diploma. But what you do with that diploma is going to be different. You know, everybody's going to have something uh, different going on from the different colleges you may go to to not going to college at all. You know, there's just the, the outcome is going to be different. Free enterprise is our economics. Uh, we want the government to not be involved uh, in our economics. So we want to, to just let the market and all that kind of stuff um, <laughs> play out and see where it goes. And then the rule of law, everybody uh, should have the law applied to them equally. Uh, from the top to the bottom, across the board, uh, everybody should be equal there when it comes to the rule of law. All right, 2.2 is political socialization, uh, and that is just where you get your beliefs from. So where do you get your political ideologies from? Um, you, and we all have those things um, that we believe in, whatever it might be. Um, you got them from somewhere. You weren't born thinking about uh, the issues of the day, uh, the issues of today, or anything like that. 
you had to develop your your belief somewhere. And the number one answer is typically going to be family or generations, something like that, passing on political ideologies will typically be the answer. All right, 2.3 and 2.4 are going to kind of combine uh, change in ideology uh, and the political events on ideology. The, the whole thing behind these is that your ideology can potentially change. There's no guarantee that it will. You might be whatever you are now at 17, 18 years old, and you might be that for the rest of your life. Or some of you might change. It's just who knows. Uh, but you did some work on this on the digital day, um, on the generational effect, the life cycle event, and then political events, uh, and how they potentially influence us. Alrighty. Um, and so the basis here is just that people change. Uh, people's situation changes. And so that could lead to us changing our ideology. Political events can happen as well. You looked at a couple of different ones, potentially uh, wars, Great Depression, things like that, and how that can change people's ideology. Now, on the test, just recall or know, I guess would be the better way to say it, that um, there'll be questions centered around data, graphs, polls, things like that uh, for most of the questions on 2.3 and 2.4. All right, 2.5 is measuring public opinion. So first off, what is public opinion? Uh, it is just our collective beliefs about whatever topic we're being asked, asked about. And, you know, there is a wide range of polls that are out there. There are companies dedicated solely to doing public opinion polls. All right, so you could go search and you could find opinions about almost every topic that's out there. Um, you know, the more recent things, the border, Biden's mental capacity, you know, whatever it is you want to go look into, you can probably find a poll to back up uh, your belief, your thought process and things like that. But public opinion is just our collective beliefs. Now, please know that. Um, let me take a break. All right. Sorry about that. So uh, welcome back. Um, the dangers of, of recording uh, at school is you might be interrupted. Um, so we were talking about um, just public opinion and how uh, you know, it's going to be measured by all kinds of people. The media will try and measure public opinion. Uh, politicians will measure public opinion. So everybody wants to have an idea of public opinion uh, because it helps them kind of gauge how to vote, where to vote, um, you know, what to talk about in the media, uh, and things like that. Now, they do so through scientific polls, and there's a couple that you got to know, uh, opinion, benchmark, tracking, and exit. Now, benchmark and tracking, according to College Board, is separate, but we're going to combine them because they're pretty much the same thing. Opinion polls is what we've been talking about here. Uh, opinion polls are going to be the ones um, that are on the different topics, and they'll usually be pretty, pretty specific. Hey, how do you feel about this? Uh, would you vote for this person or that person? Things like that. Uh, the benchmark tracking are going to be a little bit different. They're going to be run by politicians a lot of times on the campaign trail. And they serve a couple of purposes. First off, uh, they are kind of used to gauge what's the talking point when I go to this place. What's the talking point when I go to this place? Because think about the campaigning at the national level, you know, especially like for a presidential race. You're going to all 50 states. And all 50 states have stuff, different stuff going on. Think back to federalism uh, and how different policies and different laws and all that kind of stuff happens in different states. Well, you know, what one state needs and wants is going to be different from what another state and the citizens uh, of that area, of that place, you know, it's going to be different. So you can't have the same speech. You can't have the same, same talking points everywhere you go. So politicians will run these uh, quite often. 
in, in advance of where they're going. Uh, even you know for House seats and Senate seats, uh, they'll run them a little bit as well, uh, just because you do have different uh, places, different groups you go speak to and talk to uh, on the campaign trail. Now, politicians will also run these things uh, just to kind of gauge and figure out, well, hey, where do I need to go campaign? All right. So they're going to run polls, tracking polls that are geared toward who would you vote for? Are you going to vote for me or vote for the other person? And uh, if I'm behind, then I know I probably need to put some resources uh, in that area. I need to go campaign in that area. If I'm way ahead, I probably know, you know what, I can maybe take scale back the operations there. Maybe I don't spend as much money. Maybe I don't spend as much time in that area. So they use it to help with campaign strategies as well, based on you know how they're doing in their own personal internal polls. Now, they're also looking at outside public opinion polls about that as well. So they take a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes into the strategy. And a lot of it is from the data with the polling. Uh, media will use tracking polls as well and gives them talking points uh, for their shows. Exit polls, those are going to happen <clears throat> as you leave the polling station. Uh, I've been voting for 20, uh, longer than that, since 96, whatever that is. Uh, I've been voting for a long time and I've never been asked how I voted. But exit polls will happen uh, as you're leaving a, um, a voting station. Okay, and they're they're run by campaign people. They're also run by the media uh, to try and gauge how the campaign is going. Uh, polling methodology, pretty simple stuff. Uh, I shouldn't say simple, but just hopefully it's it's fairly understandable. Uh, margin of error. That is basically how off this poll could be. So you know, if I'm polling at sixty percent, but the plus or minus is five, that means that sixty percent could be fifty-five or it could be sixty-five. Now, that's a pretty big difference uh, when you're talking about, um, you know, going from 60 to 55. That also means that my opponent could be going the opposite direction as well. And so we could be much closer uh, than what it seems. All righty. Uh, neutrality of questions. We want our questions to be pretty straightforward, and pretty neutral. We don't want them to lead our participants into anything. We want them to, to have their own thoughts and, and opinions. So something like... <clears throat> Uh, you know, are you who would you vote for, candidate A or candidate B? Is kind of what we want to want to ask. We don't want to ask, hey, if you were to find out that candidate A uh, had <clears throat> this issue in their past, would that affect how you vote for them? Yeah, you're going to lead that person into thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't vote for that person. Uh, and then random sampling, we want <clears throat> to have as much randomness as possible when it comes to. Our, um, our, po our polls and our, our uh, population. You know, like I've said in class a couple times, I can get a poll to say what I want it to. If I want a poll to be right-leaning, I can go get answers from right-leaning people. If I want the poll to be left-leaning, I can go get answers from left-leaning people. If we want to have a good, valid, neutral poll, we need to have people from all different aspects so that we get a wide array of opinions, and that can then make it a valid poll. <clears throat> 2.6, evaluating public opinion data. So we're talking about the relationships between scientific polling and the elections. Um, the importance of public opinion there, um, obviously we play a huge role uh, in the election because we're going to vote for these individuals. And so that's why polling is so big amongst politicians is they want to know how they're doing. They want to know where they, they, they stand. Um, think back to, you know, second, third, fourth grade, maybe you, you found someone that you liked and you're like, hey, check yes or no. 
if you like me or not. You know, that's a, that was a poll you were doing. Now, it was only one person, but you know that was polling. Politicians, politicians are the same way. They want to know if you like them or not. And so they do that through polling. Uh, and you know the reliability, it goes back to that methodology. <clears throat> we want to have good, reliable polls that have polled a whole bunch of people um, and have a low margin of error so that we can get some good data. All right, let's take another break and be right back. All right, welcome back. Let's wrap this thing up. So 2.7, 8, 9, and 10 all deal <clears throat> with policymaking. So first up is the ideologies of the political parties. And so we got the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, or liberal and conservative. Now, the libertarians come a little bit later. So Democratic Party uh, liberal is going to be kind of twofold. Uh, Business-wise, they are all about government intervention, government regulations, and you know, kind of taxing those 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 groups. Um, and then on the individual side, it's more about individual choice. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and us as individuals getting to make some of the, the choices uh, that come at us in life. All righty. Uh, conservative slash Republican is going to be the opposite. It's going to be uh, give the companies, the corporations, the businesses kind of a, a wide uh, berth, leave the government out, don't regulate as much, let them work and see what they can do for the economy if they're allowed to produce without regulations, without a whole bunch of taxes. And then for uh, individuals, they want to not necessarily take control uh, of all the choices, but they are okay with some you know, government uh, making decisions kind of, that might not be the best way to say it, but you think of things like abortion. Uh, the Democrat liberal is all about uh, individual choice, letting women make a decision. Um, the Republican conservative party is going to be more about, okay, the government should be regulating this and stopping that uh, as an individual choice. All righty. <clears throat> ideology and policy making, public policy and ideology effects. So, um, Every public policy is born out of some kind of problem, some kind of issue. Um, there's very few public policies that are just created to create. Right? Politicians don't sit around thinking, well, hey, that's going really good. Let's regulate it. Let's make a policy about it. Something has happened. Uh, think about our bathrooms here at school. They are locked up now because the bathrooms have, be have become a, a source of problems and issues for the administration. People were smoking, vaping, setting fires in the bathrooms, destroying property in the bathrooms. So the policy became, all right, let's put a, a gate on the, the bathrooms and have them locked at certain times of the day. So there was the problem and there was the policy. Uh, politicians do the same thing. A problem is brought to their attention, and they will solve it through uh, legislation. Now, we can go and look at all the different legislation that's potentially out there, and we could probably come pretty close uh, to guessing which side created that policy just based on reading it uh, and knowing their their big ideological ideas uh, make a pretty good guess as to who wrote it, Republican or, or Democrat. All right, the last two deal with policy, specifically economic and social. On the economic side, we got a couple things. Uh, the liberal ideologies favor typically uh, business regulations and higher taxes. Conservative ideologies are going to favor less business regulations and lower taxes. Libertarian ideologies are going to favor really just the government stays out. The government's not going to regulate the businesses. The government's not going to tax very heavily. All right, so the government is really out. 
Then we got fiscal and monetary policy. <clears throat> fiscal policy, remember, this is what Congress and the president can do. And, uh, you know, in macro, we talk about taxes being something that can be done to raise or lower. Uh, and that can be done to attack inflation and, and other problems we face in the economy. Uh, government spending is the other one that gets talked about. And I, I have a problem with taxes because taxes take so long to change and to do anything with. So in economics, we talk about, hey, inflation's happening. What should happen? Well, taxes should go up. And that sounds great and easy. But the problem is we can't do that as fast as it seems like. So that's not really a viable option. So what's going to happen is spending. Spending is what is easy for the government to do. They can raise it, lower it very quickly and very, I don't want to say easily because they still got to go through the process, but it's much easier and much faster than um, taxes are. You got two thought ways of thinking about it, Keynes and supply side. Keynesian is going to be more liberal. Supply side will be more conservative. Uh, Keynesian, John Maynard Keynes was an economist back in the day. Uh, and he just, his theory was if, if there's issues, if there's problems, the government needs to spend, spend, spend uh, to get out of those problems. And so, uh, you know, during COVID with the government sending out, you know, uh, what was the word? Stimulus checks and things like that. Going back to the Great Depression, FDR creating all those different New Deal programs and spending, spending, spending. Keynes would have liked that. That was what he was all about, was the government spending to pull us out of whatever the problem, whatever the issue might be. Supply side is geared toward the business side. This is why it's a conservative thing. And the thought process here is give the businesses, give corporations a break, whether it be through regulations, whether it be through less. And then the government, excuse me, then the corporations and the businesses are supposed to pass those uh, on to their employees and to consumers. So if we give company A uh, a break on some regulations, it should make their product cheaper to make. So they are saving money because now it's cheaper to make their product. They should be able to pay their workers more. Their workers get more income. You can do one or two things with your income. You can spend it or save it, remember. So now they go out and they spend that extra money. Well, that is going to other businesses, other corporations, uh, and their employees are now getting extra money. And it just trickles down. Um, as far as like saving money, they if their goods are cheaper, they can also give you know, some cost breaks to, to consumers. So it's supposed to have this trickle down effect. You might sometimes see it as trickle down. All right, monetary policies. This is the Federal Reserve. Now, please know that this is supposed to be an independent entity. They're separate from the Congress and the president. They don't take orders from the Congress and the president. They do their own thing. Uh, and they are going to fight inflation and unemployment through the, the money supply. Now, you know this stuff from, from uh, macro, so I'm not going to spend too much time here. Um, but they have three main tools they use to fight uh, the problem. They have the reserve requirement, the discount rate, and the open market operations. The reserve requirement, remember, this is how much they're going to make banks keep in reserve. So if they've set the reserve requirement at 10% and you take $100 into the bank, that means they got to keep $10 in the bank and they send out $90 in the form of loans. Now, they don't mess with the reserve requirement very often. In fact, it hasn't happened since the 90s. The discount rate is the interest rate that the Fed will give to banks that are in trouble when they need a loan. They recognize that other banks are going to try and put those banks out of business through bad interest rates. And so banks that are in trouble can go to the Federal Reserve. If the discount rate is high, then they are discouraging banks from borrowing from them. If the discount rate is low, then they are encouraging banks to come and get loans. Basically, it's stay in business or don't. 
Open market operations is the buying and selling of bonds. Remember buying buying bonds, that's putting money into the economy. Selling is taking money out. So they will they will fight inflation through contractionary policies where they're trying to take money out of the economy. And they'll fight unemployment through expansionary where they're trying to put money into the economy. Finally, ideology and social policy. Uh, liberal ideologies, like we said uh, earlier, is going to favor more individual choice, more individual assistance, uh, and just providing for the individual. Alrighty. Uh, conservative ideologies is going to favor less individual choice. Uh, think about some of the policies we talked about, uh, abortion, <clears throat> um, marijuana, uh, health care, potentially, you know, all those things are going to be more, um, less about individual choice. And then libertarian ideologies are going to favor, hey, the government should be completely out. Why is the government taking part in this decision? Uh, that is an individual choice. All right, that is the review. Uh, like I said at the beginning, let me know if you have questions or concerns. You can text me on talking points. You can email me, and I will do my best to respond as quick as I can. Finally, don't forget, if you've made it this far, don't forget that you have to take the test on the day of. If you miss the test, uh, then you do have to take a short answer test, and there are no test corrections for it. So try and be in class uh, on Tuesday the 13th, and let's get this test knocked out. All right, guys, take care. Let me know if I can help you. Bye-bye.